welcome to Emmaus Footnotes. This podcast offers uncomplicated guidance for following Jesus. Emmaus Footnotes is a production of Emmaus Church Community located in Lincoln, California. Find us online at Emmaus.Church. I'm Melissa Lester, and today I want to talk a little bit about walking through disillusionment. We all know that feeling. That feeling when you learn that someone was not as you thought they were, or that something didn't turn out the way you hoped it would. And when it's really important, it can take the wind right out of our sails. An abrupt end to a relationship, or a fallen pastor or leader who failed in representing Christ well, or the bearing of a long-held dream that just didn't work out, all these can lead us into times of disillusionment or even despair. We know that feeling, and we know it's painful. And while the pain comes in varying degrees, the sense of being let down by an institution or a person or even ourselves is familiar. And increasingly, we live in an age of disillusionment. You can't be on the internet for more than a few minutes without seeing or hearing a discussion about a formerly trusted in-person who's now disgraced or canceled or fallen in some way. No segment of society is immune to it. And while larger events of disillusionment and loss in our individual life take a great toll, I can't help but wonder if the daily stream of disappointment in people and institutions are bringing about sort of a chronic disillusionment that's taxing our strength at nearly every turn. Whatever the kind of disillusionment, how do we walk through painful seasons that leave us reeling? In 2017 and 18, some pain began to come to a head for me. I had carried a number of disappointments and hurts along with a few cycles of burnout, and there was just some hang-ups I could not get past. And in early 2018, my sister, after having twin babies, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. Thankfully, after a craniotomy, she is well, but there was something about the stress, even though it was unrelated, the stress of that situation with my sister that brought me to a breaking point where I knew it was time to address the heartache that had come with some ministry-related losses. It was around that time that I was studying the book of Habakkuk. And today I want to summarize it for you here because it is a perfect example of someone, in this case Habakkuk, who is wrestling with disillusionment. It's a quick three but very rich chapters, the book of Habakkuk. And in chapter one, Habakkuk goes to God and he essentially says, why God, how could you let this happen? And I think a lot of people identify with that. Even this week I'm watching the news, there are people who are asking that question. And Habakkuk is talking to God. He's saying, why did you let this happen? Look at all the injustice, the evildoers. Why do you tolerate them? That's Habakkuk's question to God. And historically, at this point in time, the Israelites had been living under Assyrian oppression, and life was very full of suffering and pain. God replies to Habakkuk. This is his first response. He says, look at the nations and be amazed. Watched 
and be astounded at what I will do for I am doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe even if somebody told you. That sounds exciting and hope-filled, right? And it is. But it wasn't what Habakkuk was hoping for. The very next verse gives insight into what specifically God was about to do and how he was going to do it. And God goes on to say this, I am raising up the Babylonians to be a new power on the world scene. They are a cruel and violent nation who will march across the world and conquer it. This, by all accounts, was actually terrible news. The Israelites would again be violently oppressed. And what follows in this chapter is a conversation between God and a now rather disillusioned prophet. Habakkuk is frustrated at God, at his response, because the Babylonians are worse than the Assyrians. God does, however, promise to judge. He promises to judge those who steal and make a living through extortion. He promises to judge those who build their house by unjust gain and those who build a city by bloodshed and those who get people drunk to take advantage of them. And those, of course, who worship idols there, they will all be judged. And God also encourages Habakkuk that a righteous person will live by their faithfulness In context, God is asking Habakkuk to faithfully trust him beyond what he can see in the moment. And the Lord ends his promise to bring justice with this verse. It's the last verse of chapter two. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. This is at the end of chapter two. And it's at this point where I, as a reader, take a big exhale. We had some big kind of disappointing news. And then God talks about what it is he's going to do. And it's, you can just imagine Habakkuk yielding to that silence, listening to God. And in the next chapter, chapter three, the closing chapter, Habakkuk sings a prayer. And in it, you can hear faith rising up in Habakkuk. Have you ever had it preach to yourself or give yourself a pep talk? Chapter three of Habakkuk is the ancient version of that. In his prayer, he reminds God and himself of who God is in all of his works in all of his mercy, in all of his power. And Habakkuk recounts how God has delivered his people and he has crushed wickedness. Habakkuk also honestly declares his despair and fear to God over the impending doom that would come as a result of the Babylonian takeover. And then he gets right down to it and says this, Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the field produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. 
He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. Oh my goodness, so much gold in this little book. And I think that the wisdom that is in Habakkuk, this ancient text, it can inform how we walk through times and seasons of disillusionment and disappointment today. Let me just offer a few practical thoughts based on this text for when the pain of disillusionment has settled in. I think these will be really helpful. First of all, number one, keep talking to God. Habakkuk did not withhold his true feelings and complaints. Pain has this like strange way of making us want to hide or numb out. And in those moments, don't stop talking to God. Number two, embrace silence. After Habakkuk and God had that dialogue, there was this time of silence. A great deal of really good and important work can be done in silence. Things like listening and waiting. And God did tell Habakkuk in chapter two that his promise would not prove false and that though it would linger to wait for it because the fulfillment of his promise would come. Listening and waiting are key in that. And to do that, we need silence. So embrace silence. That's number two. Number three, remind yourself of what is true about God, who he is and what he has done. In times of disillusionment, I've seen this in my own life. I've seen it in the lives of others. But in times of disillusionment, deception is a crafty, close talker. And God's word and the truth are the antidote to deception. And they offer a perspective based on a truer reality that is ultimately greater than our limited perspective, our ever-changing emotions, our circumstances, all those things. And, And the truth of that, of God's word, is what aligns our perspective to that greater reality. And we see Habakkuk doing this. He reminded himself of the true, the truth. He sang it. He prayed it. Let's read it. Let's fill our hearts with the truth of God. So that was number three. Number four, hold fast to faithfulness. Trusting when circumstances aren't favorable is an act of faith. And we know from our text that the righteous shall live by their faithfulness. That's what God told Habakkuk. Remain faithful to God. Walk with him. Worship him. Remain devoted to him. In seasons where your world feels upside down. And finally, I want to add one more thing. And it's really really important to have some close, truth-loving and praying friends who will walk with you in faithfulness when you can't seem to make the next step. You know, they'll remind you of who God is when you forget in those crucial moments. And of course, friends that will pray for you when you can't find the words. Um, we need we need that kind of supportive community and we need to be that for others. We're going to talk more about disillusionment and how it relates to Christian community in some upcoming episodes. But I want to leave you today 
with a scripture and a thought. Psalm 25 verse 5 says, Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Friends, don't give up. Walk in faithfulness to God. My mentor Alicia calls disillusionment the painful gaining of reality. And I just love that. I know with disillusionment comes loss. The loss of an illusion, to be exact. But in losing, there is a gaining of reality to be had. Embracing reality is to embrace an ultimate reality that includes the truth of the hope that is in Jesus now and the hope for what is to come. Evil will be judged once and for all, and God will restore all that is broken. And that is why we can walk through disillusionment with hope. Don't give up. Walk in faithfulness to God. Thanks for listening to episode 25 of Emmaus Footnotes. Have you walked through a season of disillusionment? If so, I'd love to hear your story. Email me at melissa at emmauscommunity.org. We'll see you next time. Thank you.